All right. Very good. Well, I hope someone shook your hand and smiled warmly at you, said welcome, good morning. It is so, so good to see you in God's house. What a wonderful thing. A couple of people asked me, what is UGA? That stands for the University of Georgia Bulldogs. Jill got her master's degree at the University of Georgia. And uh, when I was an assistant pastor there, we lived about 20 or 30 minutes from Athens, Georgia. Uh, And yesterday they took a uh, smackdown from Auburn, which is really personal in the SEC. That's way too close for comfort. Jamie and I were at a pastor's conference down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, excuse me, Louisiana, as they say it, uh, once. And we had the big idea that we would leave there on a Saturday about noon. And I said, let's just drive until we get tired. We'll stay the night and then we'll just go the rest of the way the next day to our home in Jefferson, Georgia. Well, we had lost our bearings that there were all kinds of big SEC football games going on. And every single place that we tried to stop was sold out. And we ended up arriving home like at two. We just finally said, all right, we'll just go all the way. And we ended up getting home like at two or three in the morning. But boy, we learned our lesson to be aware of SEC football as the thousands upon thousands attend and travel and spend the night and gobble up all the hotel rooms in our southern states. And uh, it can get crazy for sure. Hey, it's so good to see you today. How's everybody doing? Hope you're doing well. Hope you've had a good weekend to this point. And so glad you're here today to worship with us, to hear those great uh, missionary testimonies, to greet each other, to have a good time celebrating our great God in God's house. We want this to be an atmosphere of joy for you as you come in and you greet one another and hear these inspiring testimonies as we sing those wonderful songs of praise and thanksgiving to God together and surely, yes, turn our hearts to study His Word. Today we find our place in Ephesians chapter 5. If you have your Bible with you, if not, you can follow with the words that are upon the screen. We are making our way quite nicely through the book. Next uh, week we'll uh, wrap up in Ephesians chapter 6. We'll have a great time. You don't want to miss it. We'll conclude our study of the book. Now, as you know, we have spent six weeks in Ephesians. You could easily spend six months. You could easily spend a year. Um, And that is the case for all of the wonderful treasures that we have in God's Word. But what a delight to spend this time in his wonderful uh, writing here from the pen of the Apostle Paul as he was under house arrest in Rome to the church at Ephesus. I hope that we have whet your appetite to dig into this book on your own. That in maybe the uh, coming new year, you would uh, build some time in as you're reading through the Bible and working in your devotions and studying God's Word on your own, that you will give attention to uh, the book of Ephesians maybe again in the days ahead. We'll probably be back here again in the coming years as well. What a treasure it is. Don't forget our theme verse is found in Ephesians chapter 2, 8, 9, and 10. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then verse 10 really brings the whole idea of the believer's wealth and the believer's walk 
all together for us into one verse. And as you know now, as we've journeyed together, chapter 1 through chapter 3 is about our wealth, and here's the two words, in Christ. It's all about establishing our identity in Christ. And that is so, so important. I tell uh, worship leaders, don't allow your identity to ever be wrapped up in a microphone right? Your identity has to be established in who you are in Christ. Now you use the gifts he gives you out of gratitude to serve. This is just a tool to serve, but that's not who you are. Your identity is who you are in Christ. This podium is not who I am. It's just a place where I can use the particular gifts God has given me to serve him. But this isn't who I am. Uh, I am who I am in Christ. And all of the wonderful abilities that you have to teach children. Aren't we thankful for our children's workers and children's volunteers at Northwest Hills? And they do an amazing job. But their identity isn't who they are and their ability to work with kids. Their identity is who they are in Christ. But they've got these unique gifts and a heart of love for kids to just say, thank you, God, for all you've done for me. This is my platform to serve you. I'm so thankful for all of our greeters, our hosts, our ushers, our teachers, our landscapers, those who work behind the scenes, those who work up front, those who have all the right knobs and dials and buttons back there working so we can hear and communicate. We couldn't do what we do without them. That's not their identity. Their identity is who they are in Christ. This is just a way they can use their gifts and abilities to serve him out of gratitude because they're overwhelmed for all that he has done for them. And so we're establishing in chapter 1, 2, and 3 our identity in Christ. And then look what happens in verse 10 of chapter 2. For we are his workmanship. Look what all he's done for us. Look at the believer's wealth. We've been created in Christ Jesus to do what? To out of gratitude to do good works, not that those good works would ever save us. For we're saved by embracing and believing the gospel of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 3, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That's what saves us, but out of gratitude as a result of who we are in Christ and discovering that we do these good works which God prepared beforehand so that we should, here's the word for chapter 4, 5, and 6, so we should walk in them. The believer's wealth, 1 through 3, the believer's walk, 4 through 6. Saved by grace through faith in Christ, all of him, salvation is of the Lord. Initiated by God, received by man. We begin to learn our identity in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. And as a result of who we are, we do what? We walk accordingly in that and worthy of that every single day of our lives. That's what Ephesians is all about. And our identity is not wrapped up in the things we do, but it's wrapped up in who we are in Him. And we do some things that are according to our gifts and abilities out of a heart of gratitude. It's a way we can serve and say thank you for all he has done for us. Boy, this is an important book. Amen, church? And it helps us sort of get our our thinking right and our, our trust points right and our action points right so that we can live that peaceful, joyful, free life in Christ. Now we come to chapter 5. I think it's one of the best chapters in the book. Of course, I could say that about every chapter in the book. But we come to verse 15, and we dive right in, and boy, it starts strong. 
Therefore, well, what's that therefore all about? Well, you'd have to take some time, and I would urge you to do it this afternoon, and read chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. And that would give you the context, and you would uh, study the Bible historically, grammatically, contextually, literally, and you're digging into the context, and that therefore is a transition from chapter uh, 5, 1 through chapter 5, verse 14. Therefore, be careful how you, what's your Bible say there? Walk. There it is. Be careful how you walk. Now, you want to walk, I want to walk, we want to walk. I think this is the understatement of the day. Not as unwise men, women, boys, and girls, young people, but as wise. Be careful to have a wise walk as you walk through this world, as you walk through your life. Walk worthy, walk with wisdom. Nobody here wants to be classified as just an unwise person or really the, uh, the, the antonym to a wise person is a what? A fool. That's right. Nobody will say, oh boy, you know, he's a fool. Oh great, that was my goal. I set out, that was my goal in life, to be a fool, right? No, we want to walk with wisdom. Back when we talked about the five to thrive in the conclusion of our Thrive series, we talked about seeking wisdom every day. Remember that? Seeking wisdom because we want to walk in wisdom, so important. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time. Life is time and time is life. Life is time and time is life. Waste time, waste your, what church? Life. That's right. So we want to be very wise and particularly about how we use our time because the days are evil and the days are passing and the window of our life is ever closing. So then don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What is His will? He answers it for us in verse 18. Don't get drunk with wine. And the church said, Amen. Don't get drunk with wine. It's not God's will. It's not God's plan. It's not wise to ever be intoxicated in your life. Puts you in a very uh, dangerous position. Puts you in an extremely unguarded position. Trust me, as someone who pastored in Las Vegas for over two years, you don't want to be intoxicated because people can take advantage of you and you can misrepresent yourself and it's a bad, bad, bad situation. Avoid that at all costs. Don't get drunk with wine. For that is dis- dissipation or that is excessive. That is, that is over the top. That is not healthy. That is not right as the point is being made here. And I love the way we're accentuating the positive point by accentuating the negative. Just as a person would become intoxicated with an alcoholic beverage, and that alcoholic beverage, what? It just literally takes them over. It takes over their walk. It takes over their speech. It takes over their mood, their tone. It can take over their spending. Um, I have a lot of friends down in Las Vegas who've gotten uh, saved. They've they've met the Lord Jesus and and they were once pit bosses at MGM or they were uh, waitresses in some of the big casinos and now, uh, you know, they've they've moved on to other occupations and and they've they've accepted Christ and and Jesus done a great work in their life. You know what they all tell me? Their favorite clients back in the day where they were in that world every day were people who were intoxicated because they were literally pulling money out of their pocket and and they're dropping and they're overspending and they're just overtaken by that intoxicant. Their walk, their talk, their spending habits, their ways, their means, what they do, what they think, not thinking. 
And here's what the Bible is saying. Just like an intoxicated person is overtaken with that strong drink, we don't do that as believers, but like that, we allow the Holy Spirit of God that lives within us to control and overtake our life in a very positive way, like an intoxicating beverage would do in a very negative, unhealthy way. What an illustration. We get it. And so here the Bible is calling us every day as a follower of Christ to take the reins of our life and surrender them to the Holy Spirit of God. That Holy Spirit of God that came to live within us the moment that we were saved. The moment that you believed the gospel, a lot of amazing things happened in your life. You were adopted into the family of God. You were justified before the throne of God, Romans chapter 5, just as if you had never sinned because you are now positioned in Christ. You know what else happened? The moment that you believed the gospel, the Holy Spirit of God came to live within you. And you were baptized into the body of Christ. You know what that means? You were literally placed into God's forever family. And you're a part now, as you're here at Northwest Hills, of a local expression, but you're a part of a great big global expression called the kingdom of God and called the church big C. And you have now a forever family. You have a forever father. He loves you with an everlasting love. And all of this happened the moment that you were saved. And here we're being invited to walk with wisdom. Here we're being invited to take every day and say, you know what? The Bible is clear. I'm saved once and once for all because it's about not what I've done, but it's about what Christ has done for me. But as a result of that salvation that's once and once for all, I've got a daily decision to make. Am I going to control my life or am I going to allow the Holy Spirit of God to control my life? And the intoxicating beverage is used to illustrate control. Am I going to make the choice on Monday to take the wheel, or am I going to allow the Holy Spirit of God to take the wheel? Am I going to hold the reins, or am I going to allow Him to hold the reins? Am I going to keep control of my day timer and the checkbook and the schedule and the yeses and the nos and the do's and the don'ts and the, and the goes and the stops and the reds and the greens and the yellows? Or I'm going to say, Holy Spirit of God, you've given me another day to walk above the grass, and for that I am grateful. And I want to live out today fully who I am in Christ. I want to walk worthy, but I do not want to have control today. Holy Spirit of God, I want you to take control. I'll work hard. I'll do everything you tell me to do. I'll get up when the alarm goes off. I'll work my hardest. I'll love my wife. I'll love my kids. I'll love my husband. I'll love the kids. I'll love my neighbors. I'll let your Bible be my roadmap. But Holy Spirit, I can't do all that in my own strength. I need you to fuel my life. And I give it over to you. This section is all about, in fact, I've circled in my Bible, it's all about that word filled that I think could be a little bit better translated controlled. Be spirit controlled. Make the decision to give him control of your every day. You know, that requires an understanding that if you try to do the day in your control, You're going to miss a lot of the freedoms and the blessing and the peace and the joy that God has for you. 
We've got to have that daily desperation, that holy dependence that I can't do this Christian life in my own strength. I was never designed to do it in my own strength. But I've got to live it through the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. And that simply requires me giving him the control that he deserves and I can trust him with. Pastor Mike, what would be the evidences of a spirit-controlled life? That's what we have in verse 19, 20, and 21. I want to show you the three evidences. The three simple evidences of the spirit-controlled life, number one. Speaking to one another. By the way, did you catch that? There's two one another passages right here in this very section. We'll see another one in verse 21. And be subject or submit to one another. Verse 19, speaking to one another. I would encourage you to take some time if you're looking for something fresh in your Bible study and study all the one another passages in the New Testament. They are fascinating. And how we're to interact with one another. Don't forget all out of our identity in Christ. Don't forget all out of the power and the enablement of the Holy Spirit. Because I can't act to one another like the Bible tells me to in just Mike's strength. I'll fall short. You know what else I can't do? I can't try to fake it till I make it. And just try to write, okay, well, I'd rather watch, oh, I'm going to get personal now. I've done preaching and gone to meddling. Let me tell you what's going to happen. I can't just say, all right, well, I really am not comfortable giving over that level of control. You know we have in this room, whether you know it or not, we have some control freaks in this room. We know you're out there. I'm new. I don't know who you are yet. But we know there's some controllers in this room. How many of you know some controllers? Let me see your hand. Uh Uh-huh. If you didn't lift your hand, that's our first hint. <laughs> Everybody else was lifting their hand thinking of you, right? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. This is our human nature, right? It is. I was riding the other day with my dear wife on a short errand. I was like a cat on a hot tin roof. She did a fantastic job. But, you know, I'm used to driving. And she was driving, and I'm over there, I'm pushing... The, you know what I'm saying? I'm, uh, 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 you know, that's our nature, isn't it? I'm just used to being, you know, there and I'm, and, and, and you know, and sometimes she'll do that when I'm driving. Hun, hun, they're stopped up there. Oh, babe, I know, I see, I've got it, I've got you. And we're, we all struggle. I mean, that's just a real example that we all can relate to. We like to be in control. And it's difficult for us to come up to this, this, this invitation to be controlled by the Spirit, of, to give God that control in our life through the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. But when we do, when we do, look what happens. The praise quotient in our life begins to increase. Our life begins to be filled with praise. You know why? Because when you try to control everything, it'll drain the praise right out of you. It'll just wear you slap out trying to run your life. And God never intended you to do that. Just like we were when we came to the cross for salvation. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. 
A holy desperation that was only Jesus that could solve the sin problem that we had. And boy, that was the truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but through him. John is clear. But I think for our sanctification, we've got to have the same holy desperation that we had for our salvation. I can't live this Christian life and love my wife the way I should and parent my children the way I should and pastor you and love you the way I should just in my own strength. I can't just try to tape it on because I want to kind of maintain this inner control, but I'll try to tape on these things because I can tape it on, but the minute I rub up against you, guess what will happen? They'll just fall off. This has got to be a real sense of hunger and dependence that just like I needed him and him alone for salvation, I need the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit alone to properly execute all of my rights, privileges, responsibilities, and joys as a follower of Christ. If I'm really going to be able to live out fully who I am in him, I can't do it in my own strength. No matter how hard I try, no matter how much I try to gut it out, no matter how much I try to, because I know it's what's right, and I, I, will, I will always come up short in my own capacity. But when I give the Holy Spirit of God that control, everything changes. And Christ follower, that's a daily decision that we all must make. We're right there at Galatians 2.20. For I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And he lives through me. This It's the secret sauce, I think, of taking all that we are in our wealth and bring it into full realization in our walk when we do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't get drunk with wine, for that's excessive and that's unhealthy and that's dangerous. It's not a good testimony. But let the negative illustration accentuate the positive, but instead be controlled like that every day by the Holy Spirit. For then... You will speak to one another, watch this, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. And there's the first evidence. What is it, Pastor Mike? It's what I simply call the praise-filled life. Your life will be filled with praise. And it's interesting how that's always connected in Scripture or, or often, maybe more ap- accurately stated in Scripture, to singing, And I hope you sing in private. I hope you sing with your family. I hope you sing as you drive down the road in your car. I love to do that. Singing in my car. Sometimes I lift my hand in my car. I'm at a stoplight having a praise session. And I look to the person sitting next to me and they're like this. (laughs) Really? And I'm just like. I'm not going to let their scowl run my praise session. No way. Maybe they'll wonder what's going on. What's up with him? Love to tell him about the one who has filled our life with praise. And the more you learn to give up control and surrender, the more your praise quotient will increase. And the more you learn, and it's a learning process, and it's a walking process to walk in trust to the Holy Spirit and, and surrender that control to him, surrender those reins, surrender that wheel to him. The more you learn to trust and, 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 and give him that space in your life to lead, guide, and direct, the more your praise will increase. And you'll sing the psalms and the hymns and the spiritual songs. Don't let anybody ever pigeonhole you. That's got to be one or the other. 
You've got a pastor that was raised on hymns. In fact, if anybody here ever wants to challenge me to a hymn sing, I'll take you on any day and twice on Sunday. Because you know why? Because years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died at Calvary. And because I went to Calvary, guess what? I learned to praise Him, praise Him, Jesus, our blessed Redeemer. Sing, O earth, His wonderful love proclaim. Hail Him, hail Him, highest archangels in glory. Strength and honor give to His holy name. And the young people are looking at me going, what in the world is he talking about? And I've sung those hymns to my kids, and they sit in the back seat, and they're like, wow, right? What in the world, Dad? You know, that was my earliest theological education, learning to sing those wonderful hymns. But wait a minute, hymn friends, lest we go, I knew I liked him. (laughs) Guess what? We love the gospel songs too. They're not competing interests, they're complementing interests. Get over yourself. Really? Really? Love all the songs that love and honor Jesus. Enjoy them all. Don't limit yourself. Don't limit others. I love the hymns. I really probably sing one in some form at some time in some way every day. But I love those songs we sang today. And I don't view them as competing. I view them as complimenting. Enjoy them all. Can we have our preferences, Pastor Mike? Of course. Of course. But love them all. New friends. You love the new stuff, the new ones. Get over yourself. We love the hymns too. They're not competing. It's complimentary. Hymns, psalms. I'll never forget when I went to camp. Here's this cool looking guy with this suave hair up there with a guitar playing these songs. And it dawned on me, these are all psalms. They have taken actual psalms and put them to song. How cool is that? Was that better than hymns? No. Is that better than the newer gospel songs? No. They're all a way that we can praise the Lord. Let's enjoy them all. Let's enjoy each other. Let's give each other some grace space and just have a great time praising God. That's what this is saying. And we bless each other with these songs. And guess what else happens? When we sing, did you catch that? singing to one another, but I love the end of it, with your heart to the Lord. And when you sing in your car, you sing and you bless his heart. When you sing in your mirror as you're combing your hair and putting on your makeup, you're singing from your heart to the Lord. You bless his heart. He loves hearing from you. Which songs do you think he likes the best, Pastor Mike? He likes them all. See, our human nature is to always control it to our way and preference. See? For years, people have tried to pigeonhole me. Pastor Mike, do you prefer public school, Christian school, or homeschool? I say, yes and amen. (laughs) Well, well, no, no. Tell me which one you prefer. Well... I said, I like them all. They're all good options. My dear wife and I have used all three of those options at different times with different of our kids. Our eldest daughter 
who's in a Christian college right now. My wife had to homeschool her for a year because of a tremendous health problem. Do you know how grateful we were to have some good homeschool resources? By the way, there are some phenomenal programs and resources out there, and we were so grateful to have that at our disposal. Our eldest son started at a Christian school. I graduated from a Christian high school. We're so grateful for Christian schools and Christian high schools, Christian elementary programs. What a, what a blessing. Sometimes we need to utilize them. We've also had our kids in public schools. And, and, and sometimes it comes down to the differing unique child and how you are working with them and what they need at particular times in their life. And, and I just say... I'm just thankful for all of those resources. You may have to use all of them at different times. Be grateful for them. Stay open to them. And here's what I want you to know as your pastor. Whatever you and your family decide you need for that season, here's what I want you to know from me. I love you, I support you, and I'm praying for you. And you've got to have the bandwidth to make some decisions. It's funny how people try to pigeonhole you down just to one thing, right? Well, there's all kinds of options there. And you've got to decide as a family what's best for you for that particular child in that particular season. Here's what I want you to know from me. I'm praying for you and I'm cheering for you to make the right decision and for that young person. And you don't need my scowl. You need my prayer, love, and my cheerleading for you because I'm going to tell you, these decisions can be tough. Life can be tough. And sometimes it's very difficult to navigate those decisions with your kids. Enjoy the the fact that we have the options. Enjoy the gospel songs, the hymns, and the psalms. Let me tell you something else. Enjoy the fact that in our church there will be different styles of worship. Some people are very expressive in their worship. I love them. I'm telling you, I wish I could video some of the people over the years. There was a guy in Georgia. He was so expressive in his worship. And at the end of every song, and he would just, I mean, he was an expressive praiser, as good a guy as you would ever meet, and he would be into it. At the end of every song, he'd go. <laughs> and I'd see him over there, and I, I tell you, I'd just, I'd be sitting in church, and it would just make me smile. And the cool thing about him is, is he would hardly ever say a word like out and about in church. He was so quiet. But when it come to praise, man, he was there. And I'd be up there with Pastor A, who was our senior pastor, and he'd say, he'd say, look over at Erwin, watch old Robert. Come to the end of that song. And he just was fired up. But you know what? There were other people in that church who they never would lift a hand. They would hardly ever say a word. They were very quiet. That was their nature. They were very quiet in their style of worship. Let me tell you what. They were every bit as connected, every bit as engaged in their worship as Robert was. And Northwest Hills... You gotta have some freedom with your educational choices. We're praying for you. We love you. We're cheering for you. At Northwest Hills, we gotta have some room for people to have different styles of worship. Some of you say, Pastor Mike, what I'm going through right now in my life, I just need to sit and pray. I'm going through some heavy stuff. Sit and pray. We give you that space. Pastor Mike, I'm an expressive person. I'm so glad to be in God's house. My hands are up. That is wonderful. You encourage us. Pastor Mike, I'm I'm a little quieter in my nature and worship. You know, that's such a wonderful thing. Just worship God. You be you. And we're going to love you and bless you. We're going to give each other grace space to understand there's some differences there. And guess what? That's okay. It's a wonderful thing. It's okay that I love the fact that the Bible says we can enjoy psalms and hymns 
and spiritual songs. It's okay. Let's just enjoy it. Let's just in our own unique ways enjoy being who we are in Christ and praising God with the tone and with the intensity that is unique to us. You know why? Because God loves you individually. And you've been created in Christ Jesus and him individually with your personality and your spirit, some quieter, some louder, some expressive, some very, very quiet and, 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 and very reflective. And you know what? That to me is a beautiful thing. It's the beauty of the body of Christ. And wait till we get to heaven and we get into a big praise session up there where all of the people groups of the world gather. Oh boy, that's going to be a hoot when we get there and see all of that. And we got the Presbyterians there, the frozen chosen. They're they're what in the world? We got people here from Uganda and they're dancing around like they do in Africa. And and we're going to be like, what in the world? And God will bring them all together. And it'll be this humongous praise session for all eternity and all these flavors and styles of praise. Listen, that's a beautiful thing. Enjoy that. And my prayer for our church is our church will just be a dress rehearsal for heaven. It'll just be a dress rehearsal for heaven. And we'll start acclimating ourselves to those different styles and those different blessings and those wonderful expressions or sometimes those lack of expressions. And there's the gray space to enjoy them all. When we give our life over to the Spirit of God's control, we'll speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We'll sing. We'll make melody with our hearts to the Lord. It's a praise-filled life. Number two, look, it's perfect for this time of the year. It's perfect. I ran into Winco yesterday. I couldn't even get near the turkeys. They're loading them in. You spend over $100, you get a free one. I did see that sign. <laughs> Butterballs were 98 cents, I think. Jenny O's 68, I think. Don't quote me. I'm looking, I'm watching, but I couldn't, I'm just watching from a distance and people were hovering. It's like a beehive. I'm watching. People are, one lady, literally, her feet were off the ground. She was teeter Her husband came up and went, pulled her down. I thought she was going to go all the way in. I'm watching this. It's Thanksgiving time. Look, it's perfect. What's the second evidence of the Spirit-filled life? That's a daily decision you've got to make. Who's going to be in control? Praise increases when He takes more and more control. You know what else increases? Thankfulness. Always, I struggle with that word, easy preaching, hard living. Giving thanks for, I struggle with these two words, big time. All things. I'm on Highway 20 sitting in a tow truck. And the tow truck driver says, hey, bud, I think your transmission's gone. And the Bible says, I'm to be thankful for all things. What? You're home this week waiting on the HVAC guy or gal to show up because you have no heat. Heater won't run. You already got more money than, or more month than money with this month again in the budget, and you're going, oh my goodness, what is this going to, what's this going to cost to get, we got to have heat, and there's that anxiety, there's that concern, and you're remembering this message, always give thanks for all things. See, this is the great secret sauce to control. If I'm controlling it, then I have to take all of the responsibility, the worries, and the cares. 
Or I've got a decision I can make and say, you know what, I'm going to give this day, this week to the Lord. I'm going to live out First Peter and I'm going to cast all my cares on him for he cares for me. I'm going to let him lead, guide, and direct. I'm going to follow him and I'll figure out the challenges with his help and empowerment as we face them day by day and week by week. See, if I choose to hold the reins and the control, then I've got to take all that comes with that. Or I can say, no, Holy Spirit here. That doesn't relieve me of my daily duties. I've got to get up when the alarm goes off. I've got to go and do my job. I've got to do the best. I've got to love my wife and parent my kids and be a good neighbor and, and do all those things. But, but my, my positioning is entirely different. And when the challenges come, I say, okay, Lord, well, we've got a real challenge here and I, I, I need you to help me with what I'm facing. You've got to show me the way. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to help me know who to call and how to do this. And, and I, I, don't have, I can't do all this on my own. It, it, will, it will break me. It will crush me. But, but with you, we, we can figure this out step by step. Do you know I, I, I've been a pastor for approaching 25 years. I've been walking with the Lord for over 35 years. You know I have to every day of my life remind myself to do that. I have to make the decision every day to give him the reins and not to try to control it all. And to when I come up against these challenges that we all faced, instead of me just trying to own it all and take it all and just, and just somehow fight through it and not be crushed by it all, I have to say, no, no, wait, wait a minute. I've got to pray about this. I've got to remember I'm not on my own in this. The Lord is there to help me through the power of his indwelling Holy Spirit. And I can, even in the difficulties, I can be thankful because church, if I believe this and if I believe the Bible teaches anything, I believe that we serve a sovereign God. And when we give him control of our life through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, we can then honestly say that anything that comes our way, he's either allowed it or ordained it for our good purpose. And he is not allowing that problem that you're facing to break you. He's not trying to choose to break you or to crush your life with it. In fact, he's trying to make you into that absolute chosen vessel that he sees you and has determined you to be. And we can get into that mode and we can realize those realities when we're not in control, but we allow him to be in control. What happens when we give our life over to the spirit of God's control? Don't forget it's a daily decision. Your life will be filled with praise. Your life will be filled with thanksgiving. And then thirdly, your life will be filled with submission. Submitting one to another. There's our other one another. Speak to one another, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Don't let people pigeonhole you. Be grateful. Be submissive. And submit to one another, (coughs) pardon me, in the fear, in the fear of Christ. So a spirit-controlled person is a praise-filled person a thankful person, and a submissive person. Do you always have to have your way? That's not an evidence of a spirit-controlled person. You as a parent or a grandparent would be troubled if you 
invited a friend of your son or daughter's or granddaughter's or grandson's over, and they were going to have a play time. They were going to watch a little movie. They were going to play Legos and color and play Barbies, whatever. And you were listening, as I know you would do, and checking in on them and making sure that's going well. And you heard your son, daughter, grandson, or granddaughter always having to have their way. No, we're going to do, no, I want to do that movie. No, no, I want to play this. Well, hey, could, could we play this? No, I want to play. And, and if your son, daughter, granddaughter, grandson would always have to hedge and get their way, their way, their way, you would, you would view that as a parenting moment. You would talk to them about that. Hey, listen, if you welcome somebody over to our home, let them every once in a while choose the toy. Let them choose the movie that we're going to watch. Let them choose the snack that we're going to have. That's just being a good uh, showing good hospitality, being a good welcomer, being a good host. Let them be able to get some of the things that they would like to do. And, and we teach our kids this. You know what? God is trying to teach us as adults this. That we need to be submissive. It doesn't have to always be your way. Husbands, sometimes just just do what your wife wants to do. Huh? I know how dudes are. Huh? Huh? Well, that's an interesting thought, Pastor Ryan. Wow. That's, that's really weird. I know. Wives, sometimes just do what your husband wants to do. Hey, let's just do... What would a perfect day look like for you? What? Pastor Mike, I can't go sit at that game. Are you kidding me? I mean, it's three hours. Are you joking me? There's no backs in the season. You've got to be joking me. What in the world are you talking about? This preacher's out of his mind. We were living in beautiful Flagstaff, Arizona. And one day Jamie said to me, I've got a great idea for a date night. What you got in mind, hon? Let's go to the Arizona Cardinals camp because the Cardinals used to come up to Flagstaff and do their preseason training camp. She says, let's get there early. Let's stay for the whole camp. And then there was a favorite restaurant that I had that was just a mile or two from Northern Arizona University where the camp was held. And then we'll go to that restaurant. We'll go to the camp. We'll sit right there. We'll watch it all, hun. And as soon as we're done, we'll go over and we'll go to that. I know you love that. We'll go there and it'll be awesome. After the emergency medical professionals resuscitated, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, my wife does that all the time. She's a perfect example of this. What a, you know what? That, I, was just, I was just thrilled. Now, I know that wasn't her. There probably have been other things that would have been more enjoyable for her. But she kind of created that for me. You know what? I'm telling you about, you know, that's been approaching near 10 years ago, but that had such an impact. In our day and age, when you just show deference, to, it has such an impact. In this world where everybody's always clawing and fighting just for their way, their, their I, me, my, their, when we show that kind of love and care and deference and submission for others and husbands love their wives that way and wives love their husbands that way and the parents come together with the kids and kids. We've designed this. We're gonna, we think this would really be fun for you guys. Mom and dad put this together just to bless you. What an example. And it can't be that way all the time or there'll be tyrants. But every once in a while, 
By the way, it's good for them to learn to submit, not always go to their... No, this is, today we're honoring mom, or today we're going to go here. And, well, that's not really our... That's okay. It's not about all of us today. Today we want to, we want to come down over here. An evidence of the Spirit-controlled life. Boy, this is right where we live, isn't it? It's right where we live. Pastor Mike, what are the evidences? Our life will be filled with praise. Our life will be thankful. Our life will be submissive. submissive. Let me bring it home, church. And here's the thing that about eight years ago came crystal clear to me. Ephesians 5, 15 through 18 is the key to all the way to chapter 6, verse 9. The spirit-controlled life is the key to buckle your seatbelts. Look at 522. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their own husbands in everything. Don't get mad at me. I didn't say it. God said it. Lest we think this is just some challenging waters for wives to navigate, look what happens for husbands. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave up himself for her. Whoa! So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present her to himself, the church, in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. Look how it continues. Chapter 6, verse 1. Children. Obey your parents and the Lord. Guess what? Parents, don't frustrate your children, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Guess what? You can't do that in your own strength. You can't just tape it on. Those toddlers will gnaw that off of you within the first hour of every day. You'll be bone on bone. Hour one. It's got to be something that's coming from you in the inside of you, something that's beyond the capacity that you have. It's the Holy Spirit of God that gives you the strength to properly parent those toddlers and those teenagers and those early adults. It's the Holy Spirit of God that gives you the strength, sir, to love your wife that way. It's the Holy Spirit of God, ma'am, that gives you the strength and the courage to respond to Him that way. God is giving us roles and responsibilities here, and it's a bit breathtaking for all of us to take in. How do I do that, Pastor Mike? Ephesians 5.18. You know, it goes on all the way down to 6.9, and it talks about the employer-employee relationships. Isn't that interesting? It's cast in the Old Testament uh, thousands and thousands of years ago, example of, of slaves and masters. But we would say today that is the environment of the employee-employer relationship. So chapter 6, verse uh, 5 to 9, we'll never be able to be proper employees or employers without the Holy Spirit of God's empowerment. Chapter 6, 1 through 4, we'll never be able to have a proper parent-child relationship without the Holy Spirit of God's empowerment and direction. 
Chapter 5 in, we'll never be able to be the husband God wants us to be. We just, guys, we just can't do it. We can't gut it out. We can't think it. We can't just, I'm going to try so hard. You were never intended to live like that without the Holy Spirit of God's empowerment. Wives will never be able to navigate those verses that I know are breathtaking. And they're at times confusing and they're hard. And we'll never be able to do it without the Holy Spirit of God's empowerment. But when we choose every day to wrestle with the word control, whoever has the control determines how that day is going to go. And Paul pleads with the church that we would every day take the reins of our life, the wheel of our life, whatever analogy you want to use, that would be a perfect analogy for the Spirit of God's control and that we would give Him the control so that all the other avenues and areas of our life, the roles and responsibilities, have a chance to be all that God intended them to be in an environment of praise, thanksgiving, and submission. This is huge. And it's easy preaching, but it's hard living. But if we'll push through and we'll say, it's Monday... I'm north of the ground. I'm vertical. I've got another day, it appears, at least right now, to live for the Lord. Holy Spirit of God, it's going to be a great day. I don't want to be in control. I give you control. You take the lead. Here we go. Let's walk this way. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word and all it means to us. May we take these truths and take action upon them today. They're actionable truths. May we make some decisions with them and not leave truth sitting here in the seats. Thank you for a wonderful time to study your word. In your name we pray, amen.